All right, well, good morning, everybody. How you guys doing? Hey, at this time, before I uh, pray or anything, I'd also like to say welcome to those of you who are watching online. I hope you guys are doing good. Uh, and listen, I'm talking to you directly right now. I know that many of you online, you're probably sitting there in your PJs and eating breakfast and all that. But, you know, listen up. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's time to listen. All right, enough goofing off. Guys, my name is Adam Black. I'm the worship leader here at Pierce Point, but I'm also a deacon in training. Um, and I would like to take the time to go ahead and pray before we start, and uh, we'll get into it. Father God, I thank you for this morning. Um, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity you've given me to, to share your word um, at this time. And I just ask right now that, um, Lord, that I can be used as an instrument for you and that we can hear clearly what you have to say to us um, Lord, I just ask that you be glorified this morning and that we can leave this devotional and uh, church entirely today changed by who you are. Uh, Lord, we love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, for the assignment that we were given for this round of devotionals, uh, mine, I'm tasked with who is Paul talking to in Romans 7? Now, before we get to that verse, this, this got me thinking. This seems like a very simple question. Who's Paul talking to? And I know these topics are handpicked for each of us deacons in training, so two things are happening here. They're either taking pity on me and giving me a softball question, <laughs> which, which I would like to hope that that's, uh, that's the result here, or there is something a bit deeper behind this question, and uh, maybe I haven't found the answer for what that is yet. But either way, let's talk about it. For starters, um, this is a debated scripture, and with any of these devotionals, I try to figure out what the debate actually is. Um, and conveniently, you Google it, and you find out what's going on, and the, the argument at hand is, who is Paul talking to? And there is kind of two parties. He's talking to believers, and he's talking to unbelievers. So with that in mind... That's the debate here. Let's get in to find out who he's really talking to. Romans 7, 1 through 3. Or do you not know, brethren, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives. All right, see how this might seem like a little trick topic because he just told us who he's speaking to? So what's the big deal? Why is this a debate? Well, I like to look at this as we're starting in Romans chapter 7. So let's rewind. And this is, this is kind of where I wanted to take this devotional today is we read something, we understand what's going on, but we read it in the context of just the scripture of where we are. But let's take it into the context of the whole. So let's go back to Romans 1 and see how Paul is introducing himself. Romans 1, 7, he says, To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. 13 through 16 in Romans 1, he says, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and I have been prevented so far, so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even among as the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
So Paul has addressed his audience. He's writing this letter to a wide range of people within the church of Rome. Uh, Some of those people may know the Lord and the law very well. Some of those people may be considered fools or people with lesser knowledge. So let's get back to Romans 7. And I should state at this point, too, this is Paul writing a letter. These people are reading this letter. Take that into consideration when we go through this. Romans 7, 1, 3. Or do you not know, brethren, for I am speaking to those who know the law, for the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives. For the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is living, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning the husband. So then, if while her husband is living, she is joined to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's free from the law, so that she is not an adulteress, though she is joined with another man. I feel like that's a, like a heck of a way to kind of start off where you're, where you're going on things. It's a, it's a very deep subject. So in verses 2 and 3, Paul is telling his audience that like the widow who is no longer bound by the covenant of marriage to her husband who has passed away, Christian believers are no longer bound to the covenant of the law. He continues in 4 through 5, Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of her body to bear fruit for death. Now, in the same way that the woman whose husband uh, died is not tied to the promise of their marriage anymore. Believers are made to die um, to the law through the body of Christ because we are being baptized into Jesus' death. Uh, Verse 4 makes this clear by saying that believers through faith in Jesus are dead or separated from the law. Paul is using the word die as we would currently use it. For instance, we could say that a relationship is dead which would mean that two people have separated. Paul is using die in the same way. Believers have been separated from the law through our faith in Jesus so that they might be joined to another, which is who Jesus is. We continue through 7, 6. But now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. It's our faith in Christ that separates us from the law. And that is what allows us to live in the new nature that comes from the Holy Spirit. This is a new understanding that we have. So let's pause here. So far in this chapter, I feel like Paul is giving us a wonderful picture of what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. But it's from the perspective of someone who does not necessarily have a relationship with Jesus. I can imagine that this seems very confusing Remember that Paul's been telling us up to this point that the law and faith are contradictory principles. The law leads to death, and faith in Jesus leads to life. By this point in his letter, I imagine that some people are even asking, then what do we do with the law, if that's the case? So what about the law then? The main point Paul is trying to get across is that because of their faith in Christ, they have been set free, legally free, from the obligations of the law. They're no longer bound to it. Christ's death has set them free to bear fruit for God. 
So let's continue to Romans 7, 7 through 8. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. For I would not have known about coveting coveting if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. The law itself is not sin. But it does show us our sin. It gives us the picture of what we're supposed to live to and that we're not able to live towards that law. More rules always mean more lawlessness, not always more morality. The law gives our sin nature more opportunities to rebel. As we continue through 9.12, I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. And this commandment, which was to result in life, proved to result in death for me. For sin, taking an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So then the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. The law is perfect and we are not. Therefore, laws show our imperfection and they show our sins very clearly. Because the law is perfect, we are sinful, and we cannot follow the law. As I was kind of preparing this whole thing, I just kept thinking in my head of one thing, and that is, if you tell a child not to do something, they always want to do that thing. And so the, the thing that I'm looking at through here is, Paul is saying, look, the law is not bad, but the law is not what we are supposed to be constantly following we're supposed to be following jesus and it's through jesus that we're transformed it's through jesus that we have a renewing of our mind this is which will ultimately make us live a life of the law without necessarily following the law down to a t because when we are so focused on what we are required to do we always rebel it's just our nature to rebel uh you tell somebody not to eat that they're going to eat that You tell somebody not to watch something, they're going to watch something. I think that's what Paul is trying to convey here. Paul has made it abundantly clear in this passage that law does not and cannot bring victory over sin and death. However, those who have died with Christ are set free from sin and the law. So let's get back to this main question here, which is who's Paul talking to? Now, I believe that Paul's talking to someone in particular who might know the law, but they don't have a surrendered relationship with Jesus. And what I mean by that is there are many Christians in this world who know Jesus, they know what is asked of them, but they are not living a life in surrender to Jesus. They're not living the life that is in a relationship. They're living a life ruled by law, and they think that God is just holding a big gavel over their head, judging them. Paul's telling us that it's not by the law we are saved. It's not the legalities or even the traditions that we've set in our mind of you got to go to church on Christmas and Easter, and you see some of those, those Christians that do that. It's not those things that save us. It is ultimately our relationship with Jesus. And I believe Paul is talking specifically to those people. They know who Jesus is, but they might not have that relationship with Jesus in this moment. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you 
Lord, I pray right now that we are not ruled by law or tradition, but we are living in a constant relationship with you, that you bring us closer and that you make us look more like your son, Jesus. Lord, these are not um, idle words that we say repeatedly in church. Lord, this is a, this is a cry to be, to be more like you. Um, Lord, we want to honor you through the things that we do. We want to grow in a deeper understanding of who you are. And we ultimately want to grow into a deeper relationship with you. Lord, I thank you for this day. We lift you up. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.